Let's begin now. Tonight should be a good show. A few questions. Give you a little insight of what's going down tonight. Out of left field question at 8 o'clock. Festive. Festive. Royals make some moves today. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the 7 o'clock hour. Josh Verner, who was on the drive today, had a few things to say about the moves that you're making. Yes, I know it's football season, but come on. The Royals are better today than they were yesterday. And they're a hell of a lot better than they were last year, at least to this point. But it is a Tuesday night, December 12th, mid-ish week. Nothing going on yet. We'll find out a lot more tomorrow. Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride has the Arrowhead Pride uh, radio show tomorrow at 6 o'clock with myself, 6 to 7. Then you get that betting show with Alex Gold, which will be in studio because they're on the road in New England. We'll get to the New England thing. Uh, Some news that came out of New England today. I think it's official now, at least. It seems... You've always got to check sources and where they're coming from, but it does appear that the New England Patriots owner, Bob Kraft, has let it be known. The uh, the divorce is inevitable. It was a good run. Bill Belichick more than likely out at the end of the year. We'll get into that as we will dive into the Kansas City-New England matchup. But, um, Chris, you doing all right? You, you, you feel good? You, you doing okay after the game on Sunday? Yeah, it is okay. what it is. It's football, dude. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I just feel like you get you seem like somebody that gets pretty frustrated when when small things affect big things. No, okay. I mean, look, I've been the entire Mahomes era. I've been pretty even keel. Yeah, there is obviously something wrong with the team this year. Mm. But I mean. Every team in the league right now has its flaws. I mean, we thought that the Eagles were looking like the best team in the NFL, especially after they beat the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. And the last two weeks, they've gotten smacked around. Mm. The 49ers got smacked around for – it got three losses, I mean, to teams they probably should have beaten. And it, things were looking bleak for them. So it's kind of – it kind of looks like it's the Chiefs' turn for things to look bleak for them. So uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not freaking out. You got a uh, you got a new character concerns podcast out? Yeah, we put it out yesterday. Well, actually, this morning. So recorded yesterday. So uh, yeah, I saw Bink put up there. He says first mock. Yeah, we did like a preliminary mock, if yeah. you will, because mm-hmm. the draft order is not set. So right, like at this point now, it's just kind of us gauging where we think the value of certain players are right now, but. It's going to change. There's still the combine. There's still senior bowl, shrine bowl. So there's still a lot of things going on there. Yeah. So it's just like edible mascot. It's not now is not the time for us to be like uh, committing to where we think these guys are going, but it's kind of gauging where we think you're doing the, you're doing the Venn diagram. Yeah. Yeah. We're just it, again, this is we, I, I think we worded it as it's kind of like a preseason for mocks for us. So, 
You're putting all the you're putting all the stuff together before the rough draft before the project, right? Because I, I think there's going to be a lot of movement here over the next month until we get to the end of the regular season. We still got four weeks left. So. You think the Bears are staying where they're at? Yeah, I mean, the the Panthers are trash, so uh, they'll the Bears will probably keep the number one overall pick, and their pick right now I think is like the fifth, no fourth, four, f- fifth five. overall, one yeah. and five. Uh, that could change. Uh, they kind of seem like they a, a win over the Lions. Okay, it might have a little thing going here. Uh, they're going to be motivated to try to win because Iberflus doesn't want to get fired. So that could change. There could their pick might end up going further back in the in the top ten. So you like Ben Simmons or uh, Bill Simmons? Nah, I'm not really a huge fan of him. No. Do you know who Cousin Sal is? I've heard of him. I have no idea. I don't think I've ever heard him talk before. That'll change right now. I feel bad saying this, and I'll take it back if he comes up tomorrow as a press conference and says, uh, I lost my cool. We got to get focused for the remainder of the season. The Bills played great and all that stuff. But I lost a little respect for Patrick Mahomes. And I love that guy. I talk about him yeah. as a generational quarterback like everybody else does. But crying during the postgame handshake with Josh Allen, like that's one of the yeah. worst calls I've ever seen. All those things you said were true. He was offside. They do call that. They called it twice last year. They call it 11 times this year. So they definitely call that. And and the other thing is, Mahomes has benefited from a bunch of questionable calls over the years. So that's going to happen. And guess what? If he's that far off, it's Kadarius Tony. He screws up in every single way. Right. He drops all your big passes. You should know if they called him for being offsides, then he was offsides. I mean, you were right. You couldn't see the ball. The refs couldn't see the ball. So they had to do that. I yeah, don't they know. got mad I'm, in the pre, in the post game press conference. They made that point. They're like, we yeah. couldn't we couldn't even see the football. He was so far off sets. Uh, could this be? I feel like as far as yeah, maybe they're not a dynasty, the Chiefs. But as far as a team that's close to being a dynasty, they were pretty likable, right? Everybody hates your team. Everybody hates my team when they were dynasties. The Chiefs, I feel like, avoid that. Stigma avoid it. A lot. Past tense. Avoid it. With the between the Taylor Swift stuff and, and now the, if he's going to become a crybaby, this puts yeah. him in different territory. I think crybaby. So I try to let people know that I I really am not biased or a homer when it comes to this team. I watch this team. I put thoughts in my head and then I spew them out of my mouth under this microphone. And that's about as close of a of a fan that I'll get for you. I promise. Promise. I'll go to the game, I'll wear the red, I'll turn it off every once in a while, and, and I'll, I'll do the chance with all of you. But when it comes to stuff like this, this is going to make me sound like a homer or a fanboy or whatever, bias. But to go out here and say that he's a crybaby, it doesn't look good, I don't think that's the right way to do it. Because Simmons, obviously, huge New England guy, big Boston guy, Celtics, Patriots, yada, yada, yada. Uncle Sal, big New York guy, right? Yankees fan, all the New York stuff. They're they're the opposite, complete opposite of what Kansas City is. And a little bit of this, a little bit of it is... Big city bias, right? Because how many times would you see Tom Brady get upset and 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 holler, right? Enough. His career was long enough that it was going to happen. I mean, there was literally an instance where he followed a referee into a tunnel after a game, after an egregious call they didn't like, right? How many times in New York would, would things go wrong and, and guys do that? And, and now you have a guy in Kansas City, small market, whether you hate it or not, but they're dominating football. 
Mahomes has played in three Super Bowls. He's won two Super Bowl MVPs, won two Super Bowl trophies, and he's won two MVPs of the league, right? And now, in my opinion, this is the first time that we've seen Patrick Mahomes vulnerable from an emotional standpoint. And I asked Pete about it when he joined the show last night. This was Pete on Patrick Mahomes and the vulnerability or the actions that he had. He's a guy that isn't reacting like he did because of the one game. I mean, he didn't even just mention the one game. He brought up the Marquez Valdez-Scantling thing and how he didn't say something last week. And so, you know, he was thinking it last week. You know, he was frustrated last week. And this has just been a breaking point, I think, of A, the pass catcher not being as good and reliable for him this year. And I think B, just getting no help sometimes when it comes to these officials where he is able to make a play and it just isn't going their way. And I think that frustration, it's not just uh, the officials, I think it's that frustration of the season of you know, he's making great plays and he's not getting the help he needs. And sometimes the officials are, are going the other way with 50-50 calls. And that's a good thing uh, in, in a way. I mean, I, I think probably Mahomes wouldn't want to go as far as he did last night if he could have it back, but that's the emotion of it. But I think the fact that he is emotional about it just proves how much he cares about this, and I think that's what you want to see in your quarterback, right? Like, So I don't think the Chiefs fans would have it any other way. Uh, it, it, it is a, it's a player that wants to be great. It's a player that wants to win championships, and you can tell that over the next four weeks he's going to do everything in his power to have the Chiefs in a place where they could make a run and be a threat in the AFC playoffs, and then we'll see what happens. I don't necessarily think it's crybaby antics. I think it's just somebody hit their breaking point. We talked a little bit about last night, and I think that's what it was. I think in plain and simple is you put everything together, and Pete kind of talks about it there, and, 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 and you just see how this season has been as opposed to other seasons in the past. The offense has never really had any severe questions. The offense hadn't really you know, had as many drops, had as many games where it's been the offense that has maybe cost you the game with a drop pass or a deflected pass for a pick six or, you know, a pass interference call that may not have gotten called. And to hear from, you know, Sal and and Simmons and to say that Patrick Mahomes had a lot of favorable calls in his career. Where this is going to make me sound like a homer or bias is that in the Super Bowl when you have the holding call, right, on Bradbury – it's a clear hold, right? That call is something that either is called or it's not. Where Kadarius Tony's lined up or not, and then I know Danon Hughes set the world on fire with his picture of Jalen Waddle last night. Well done, Danon. Um, even got Nick Wright out here in New York <laughs> quote tweeting it. And the thing about that call is, and you heard Dan Orlovsky talk about it in his audio that he breaks down, if someone's off sides on the offense every time, the referee is supposed to be like to the head coach, to the quarterback or to the player. Hey, just a heads up. Here's your warning. 19 is a little heavy on the, on the line. Okay, cool. Thank you very much. Is Canarius Tony supposed to point? Absolutely. Did it cost them a, a fantastic play? And one, one of the you know most spectacular things, maybe you could see live when it happened. Yes. Is Mahomes a crybaby or is he now going to be hated because he did this? This is one time in his career that I can remember. Now, I know there's been other times where he's looked at the ref and, you know, all this sort of thing, and, you know, Josh Allen flops, and people point that out. Tom Brady was the same way. I just don't know if you can say that that's what it is. It's been one time, and it's been a, a, a pileup of things, and eventually people break, right? You get cut off on the highway. Eventually, you're not going to be able to help yourself. You just hit that horn. 
You didn't want to. That's the second time you've been cut off on, you know, on the highway. You, you, you've hit your point, right? And I think that's where we're at with this whole Patrick Mahomes thing. I know it sounds like maybe I'm just protecting him and, you know, I don't know the guy. I don't know how he feels. I don't think he cares. I know he doesn't care. I know that he came back and cleaned it up. So for Uncle Sal to say, if he does come out in the media and say, which he did, right, over a million views from 610 Sports Twitter account on the audio of him saying it, I just don't get that they can go jumping this far off the edge to be like, oh, yeah, he's going to be hated now. They're going to think he's a crybaby. They're going to think all this stuff. No, he's an emotional leader that finally broke for once in his life. First off, Mahomes is already hated. Like, let's just let's not go out here and act like th- that. Mahomes is some universally liked person. Whatever the Chiefs lose, people celebrate because people hate greatness in sports. Because greatness generally impedes the greatness of the team that they root for. So, unless you are rooting for a specific player, you're probably going to hate on the best player. If the best player does not play on your team. Hence why LeBron James is the most hated player in the NBA. And, you know, if I'm sure that now that Shohei Otani's got this big money, like anybody who doesn't root for the Dodgers or who doesn't root for Shohei Otani personally, probably going to hate him. Like this is just how the, this is how sports works. Uh, I personally do not care who calls him a crybaby or not. Yeah. Doesn't matter to me. Uh, like I don't really, I've never heard Cousin Sal's voice, so I do not care what he has to say about sports mm. at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I will say this. I do think they Mahomes and Andy handled it wrong. Um, but again, this is a heat of the moment thing. And I do think that people are allowed to be human because we all have our human moments. We sure. all like to think, oh, we're level-headed and we do everything the right way. But, uh, I mean, every one of us has had moments where we have not looked the best where we let our emotions get the best of us. Mm. And uh, I do appreciate that from Mahomes because Mahomes could just be like, eh, whatever it is what it is. And he could shrug his shoulders and walk away. You know, mm. he could do what MVS did last Friday at the mm. press conference where he was acting all smug when people are like, Hey, like, what are you doing? Like, how are you feeling? You feeling pressure? You know, like he could be like that. And you know what? Chiefs fans would be more pissed if he was acting smug about it in this situation. Uh But instead, we saw passion from Mahomes. And while I don't think he handled it the right way, I still respect the passion that we got from him because that tells me that he still is 100% dialed in on trying to win. He's not giving up on the year, which, I mean, they shouldn't. They're 8-5. and I mean, they still, the, the one seed's still within reach. still very possible that they could get it. But it's not, this is not a situation where, uh, he's letting things get to him, even though he has no receivers he can trust aside from maybe Rasheed, even though every time Rasheed, you know, makes great plays, he'll have that one or two plays where he kind of, it's like a step backwards. But I, I very much am impressed with how he's handled it since the, the blow up on Sunday night. Cause he's been very professional about it. And he's like, Hey, you know, I messed up. Shouldn't have done that. It's not how we, how we go about things, how we should go about things. And, you know, I, I think at this point now, if you're still going to label him a crybaby, it's just because you hate Mahomes. And that's fine. So it is what it is. And I, I don't really care if anyone labels him a crybaby right now. They you hate you because they ain't you. Exactly. This was Mahomes addressing the exact situation we're talking about. Now, obviously, you don't want to react that way. I just, I mean, I care, man. I love it. I love I love this game. I love my teammates. And I, I want to go out there and put everything on the line to win. Um, but uh, obviously, can't can't do that. I mean, can't be that way towards officials or really anybody in, in life. Um, so 
I probably regret acting like that. Um, but more than anything, I mean, I, re- I regretted the way I, I acted towards uh, Josh after the game because he had nothing, nothing to do with it. And um, so I, I was, uh, I, I was still hot and emotional. Um, but you can't do that, man. It's not a great example uh, and, uh, for for kids watching the game. So uh, that, that that was more upset about that than I was about me on the sideline. There you go, Uncle Sal. There's your boy, Patrick Mahomes, owning up to exactly what you want to because you mean absolutely nothing in anybody's life, but just having a take like that is a little, uh, it's a little lazy. Kristen Nocero, Dusty Likes with you on After Hours on 610 Sports Radio. Coming up on the other side, self-inflicted wounds. They can add up. Got to get rid of them before the playoffs start, and you got four weeks till that happens. You're listening to After Hours on 610 Sports Radio. After Hours with Dusty Likens is brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. And by Casey Bobcat. Save now on your Bobcat loaders and excavators at Casey Bobcat at Blue Springs, Olathe, or Tracy. 610 Sports Radio. I was going to uh, fire up the text line so quickly. It's just one person on the text. There's a, yeah, well, one guy's going 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 ham just on Gatling gunning t- sports takes on the text line here. It's it's your place of uh, of venting. 913-586-7610. Chase Southland Toe Service text line. Christian Nacero, Dusty Like is with you. It's from the 913. Different number. Look, man. I love Mahomes, but the last couple of years, he's gotten very bad about complaining when flags aren't thrown on a play. He's starting to act like LeBron. So, if he's getting hit and he's not getting calls, he should be trying to get calls. This but is called gaming the refs. Don't we also feel that, like, Mahomes knows every single situation of every second on the field? Like, we've never seen him go over the line of scrimmage and throw the football. Also... He always knows where there's been a flag and he'll throw the ball in that vicinity and get that call. It's almost like he's, I don't know. He's kind of got that like Aaron Rodgers sense of awareness when he's on the field, which not a lot of people have. Brady had it. Manning had it. Rodgers had it. Mahomes had it. You get it right. The good, great, you know, legendary ones do. And I mean, if he's, I get it. Like, yeah, you're going to be on the spotlight. I mean, the camera is going to be on Mahomes on every play if he's either on his back or gets hit or gets. Look, you're also in a league where the quarterback is protected and the the quarterbacks know it. So when they see something that they feel is a little bit egregious, they're going to say something. From the 816, I think people were looking for a reason to hate Mahomes and the Chiefs. Yeah. Since they're so likable, and this finally gave them a reason. 100%. I mean, I think a lot of people hated him before this. <laughs> I think people are just inventing reasons to hate him because they're great and their own team is not. That's I th- why. I think that the Philadelphia Super Bowl probably capped it. That probably is where everybody like jumped on. Like they're like, this is stupid. They yeah. got another title and they yeah. got it because of this. I think that was like the one. Like we like the one title. Yeah. When you go back to the Super Bowl or go back to the NBA Finals or whatever, then it's like, oh, we're tired. Of yeah. It. Yeah. I mean, like, you look at the Patriots, the Warriors, the Bulls. Actually, yeah. I don't. I was too young to know if people started hating Chicago because Michael Jordan was oh, so. Uh, uh, a lot of p- people who were fans of other teams did. Yeah. They did not. If you were not an NBA fan or if you were a casual fan, you didn't hate. You didn't right. hate Mike. You were like, oh, this is great. This like, is really fun to watch. Like, I remember because I want to say the first athlete that I really got wrapped up in was Tiger Woods. 
And like in 97, when he set the world on fire, I was in shock. And I was like, I don't think there's anything this guy could ever do to where like, I won't root for him. And then I would watch like my friends kind of be divided where they're like, yeah, I'd rather see somebody besides Tiger win. And it's not like he's winning every tournament, but in golf, he's winning like eight, nine, 10 times a year, which in golf, that's like once or twice every month. So it seemed like he was always winning. And the way that he would do it. Like, I remember when he beat Rocco in the Masters, everybody was like rooting, like a lot of people were rooting for the other guy. And then Tiger took his soul out. <laughs> and just like, it's like one of those things where like, that's what I love to see. Like, I get it. It'd be interesting if, you know, let's say for somehow the playoffs work and it's a divisional game where Houston and the Chiefs play and it's Mahomes versus Stroud, right? You're going to see a lot of people nationally jump over to be like, I want to see if CJ Stroud can do it. Whereas myself, you know, the maybe the part sports scumbag that I am, I want to see Mahomes crush his dreams. I also think it's just kind of within the nature of a sports fan to root for the underdog and mm. root for the new story as opposed to root for the dominating force in whatever sport it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just I, I, I initially when you reach that pinnacle of greatness, it's it's awesome. Yeah. But then at a certain point, people just get tired of it, especially like, I mean, just look at sports movies like. of them are underdog stories Mm -hmm. of some sort. You're either coming back from something or you have your, you're being severely doubted Mm -hmm. and everyone's against you and you, you fight against those doubts to win. Like that's, that's what it is because the underdog story is King in sports. Dominance is not as, as entertaining for most people as the underdog story is. So that's, probably the big reason. And a lot of it has to do with the way that television and movies are, are set up. They're kind of the same way. So yeah. yeah, that's the reason why people don't are, are inevitably going to hate Mahomes and the chiefs because they're the dominant team and we are taught to root for the underdog. Right. Um, which is interesting because right now the underdog for the one seed would be the Kansas city chiefs. We'll talk about the uh, playoff seedings and the pictures coming forward. Plus the final four games for your Kansas city chiefs on the schedule. You got to like where they're at, but Kind of what's been frustrating as, you know, someone who watches these games and listens to people complain, and I always try to be a place of someone that can vent if you're, you know, just a friend or, you know, coworker, and they'll be like, what, you know, why is this team losing? You know, you look at the box, self-inflicted wounds, right? And again, Pete, my guy, when he when we talked about this stuff, it's, you know, it's it's frustrating because of of what you see. It's the, you know, it's it's the the things that you could go without that are going to cause wins. And luckily, right, you've got four weeks to figure that out, but we are entering week 15. But you've seen how this game can affect where your standings are or where your season is by just a few plays, right? They were There was a time last year where we were, you know, fretting if that call on Chris Jones against the Annapolis Colts and that loss against them and, and Matt Ryan was going to come back to haunt them at the end of the season. It didn't. They ended up with the one seed. But it's the self-inflicting wounds that I think can piggyback onto the lead conversation that we had about Mahomes and his breaking point that I think is what's caused, you know, the frustration in the city, right? You can, you can have the opinion or, you know, the take, which I wouldn't be against it, to say technically Kadarius Tony has cost this team two wins. Right, the drop pass against Detroit that walked right in for a touchdown, you lose 21 to 20. The offsides call that gets, you know, call back and you don't get that touchdown. And now that play is, is gone. It's stuff like that. That's beating the chiefs. And I personally, Chris, I still don't, I do not fear 
There's not one team in the AFC that I fear more than the Chiefs themselves in being able to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, yeah. The Chiefs have beaten themselves all season long. Every one of the games Outside you can point the Packers to. game, I would say that, that that game, the Packers looked like they kind of had something up their sleeve. They did, but I still – I think – the drops were such a big deflators on drives. The penalties deflated so many drives that I, I think that I think the Chiefs would have won if not for all of the penalties, all of the drops there. I mean, uh, this season, and, and here's the thing about football that a lot of people don't understand. Most bad teams shoot themselves in the foot every game. Like every single game. Like when we talk about like bad football, mm-hmm. it's not just like, oh, you can't get first downs. It's you get five yards on first down and then it, it, it comes back because you had a holding call. You know, at, you're playing at home and your left tackle jumps and you get a false start. Now it's first and 15. And instead of having the ball at the 25, now you're starting at the 20 first and 15. It's, it's stuff like that. Like, bad teams make a ton of mistakes. They're not just bad at football. They make a ton of mistakes. Yeah. Uh, if you look at bad defenses, we've seen it here in, in Kansas City. If you remember the 2018 team, the defense was terrible. Mm-hmm. They also had so many self-inflicted problems that year on defense. So many – every time they throw towards Orlando Skandrick, he got a holding call mm. or a DPI call. It's that just – yeah, it's just like – and that's, that's a Jason Brown prodigy. Right, yeah. yeah. And, like, that is what <laughs> – like, bad football teams, they typically make um, a ton of mistakes. Yeah. And and this is one of the very few good football teams I've seen make the level of mistakes that the Chiefs have. It's and it's just – this is just part of football, man. Like – and and I, I kind of feel bad for Mahomes because Mahomes isn't used to that. He's right. not used to this team making this level of mistakes on the offensive end. Right. Yeah, you got to stop the self-inflicted wounds. You'll bleed out. It'll it'll get you. And you don't want it to happen in the playoffs. This was Pete Sweeney the other night on uh, After Hours. This is something that they've been saying for the entire season. And Andy Reid and, and Matt Nagy have tirelessly said this at the podium where they need to just stop shooting themselves in the foot. And I think that you know, it's fine and good when it's week five, week six, even we're about to enter week 15, right? Mm-hmm. Like, are they going to improve the self-inflicted wounds? If they do that, then I think suddenly they're actually not as bad as an offense as they're made out to be. And if the defense has faster starts than we've seen in recent weeks. And I suddenly think you, you snap your fingers and you're a contender again, but it's like, do we trust this team to now? And we're thinking, because I think they have an 11% chance to buy, so that's not happening. Mm-mm. Do we think that for four straight games against playoff teams, they're not going to make those same mistakes? I think if, if they were going into the playoffs right now, I'd be scared to death that they were going to self-inflict it, wound themselves out of the postseason. But fortunately for them, they have four weeks, four more games, and the 17-game schedule to Season's not over yet. Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride joining me last night. We'll do Arrowhead Pride Radio tomorrow night. Coming up on the other side, the AFC is just a wasted group of frat boys. I'll explain what that means on the other side. For Kristen Osero, I'm Dusty Likens. This is After Hours. After Hours with Dusty Likens is brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. And by Casey Bobcat. Save now on your Bobcat loaders and excavators at Casey Bobcat at Blue Springs, Olathe, or Tracy. 610 Sports Radio. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call 
quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, it's Bobby Witt Jr., and you're listening to The Home for Royals Baseball, 610 Sports Radio. Bobby Witt to sound a little bit more excited next year on his promo there. Hey, this is Bobby Wood Jr. Listen to six all the all the Royals players sound like that when they do. Pasquantino at least has got a little bit of spark. Well, yeah, but he's like actually like really good on radio. Okay, <laughs> he's like really good on radio. Listening to six sports radio, home of the Royals. Like Eric Hosmer, Mike Mustak, they both did reads just like that when they would do their reads back during the World Series. They sounded just like that. Uh. This is a skill that we have to develop here. It's not for everyone. Yeah, it's tough. It's like, or you can like hear the reads where they're clearly just going left to right. Yeah, they're clearly reading. You're listening to Six Ten Sports Radio, the home of the Royals and the Chiefs. I yeah. am ex athlete. Yeah. A lot. It, or you see it in commercials with the. Ad, that's why they give them very limited lines. Mm-hmm. They keep it real simple. Right. Because not it's it's not as easy as you think it is. From the text line, the 816, you seem sharp tonight. Thank you. I appreciate that. They also don't like Jason Whitlock. Not a lot of people do. Uh, not not anymore, no. Like, you know, back in the day, like. Was he the one that always took the Raiders? Was he a big Raiders guy? No, no. He was he was all about the Chiefs okay. when, he was, when he was writing for the Star. Yeah. After a while, though, like, you know, when the Don Imus thing happened, that was it for him. Like, yeah. that, was, that was it for him. Somebody from the 913 says Chiefs gained a plethora of haters this season because of the Taylor Swift thing and the Kelsey vaccine commercials. I think people were hating them before. Yeah, probably. I think, dude, I'm going to tell you this. Like, Why do people hate Taylor Swift? Uh, like, I don't, I, I'm being dead serious. I don't know. Like, you don't have to like someone's Maybe music to not I like I think it's them. mainly just because it's some of it's probably politics, but some Is of it it's the also. the same reason people hate Patrick Mahomes? Because he's like the best at what he does? No, nah, I think, I think some of it's politics. I think some of it is just they're tired of hearing about her. I guess because it's, it's like fault. it's like that song on the radio that you don't really like, and it just plays all the time, and you're just like, oh god, just stop playing. I used song. to love the song "Fast Car" by Tracy Chapman, and then Luke Combs did a cover of it, and I loved it, and then I now I hate it. Like here's all the time for like two months straight. Yeah, like I, I don't. You remember "Yeah" by Usher? Oh yeah. When it was on the radio, I hated that song. Yeah, it's cool now. I can I can listen to it now. I I could not stand it when it was on the air because they played it every hour, sometimes twice an hour. And it was just ridiculous. It was like, you don't have to play this song twice an hour. Or you're going to hear it at the Super Bowl. Yeah. I think are. my top three Usher songs are probably Let It Burn, Love in This Club, and My Way. I think yeah. those are probably my those, top three. Is that a fair three? I think it's a fair three. I love Usher. I like, I like Confessions. Confessions, Confessions is great. is really great. <laughs> that was, that was a... a that was a scandalous song when it came out back in the day. That was like 20 years ago. That yeah. was a very scandalous song. Yeah. But number one is going to be, yeah, because it was him and Lil John and Luda and it was huge. Yeah, big time song. Um, last night's game was, man, I don't even know what just happened last night. This was Tua Tagovailoa on his Dolphins after last night's loss to the Titans where they were up 14 points with 307 left. Yeah, I, I I don't think uh, I don't think this is the same Dolphins team that everyone thinks um, thinks about. 
Uh, we got a lot of really good players. We got really good coaches. Um, and it, it's it's one loss. It's, you know, home uh, this year. It's not, not like the world the world ends uh, because we, we lost this game. Uh, we're human. We'll continue to get better from this. Um, this is the NFL. You know, no one's perfect. So that's that. Who dropped their did phone? They, did they have a stenographer in there? It's, I don't know. All you heard was click, clack, click, clack, and, and then, then it sounded like it was like a it sounded like it was a typewriter. And someone was typing on a typewriter and then they had to push it back to restart the line. <laughs> I don't know what that's stuff in South Beach. Apparently. Yeah, clear, clearly they're technologically right. uh obsolete down there. Yeah. Um The AFC just seems drunk this year. Right? Um you guys are familiar with Nate Taylor, joins the shows every week throughout the week here on 610 Sports Radio. The alignment of the AFC, everything that is out there. Baltimore is getting ready to hit their phase of the schedule. The Chiefs, are they're going to get into their phase of the schedule. This Nate Taylor explaining what the state of the AFC is currently in. One would think, based on the track record, um, this, is, this is the fascinating part in addition to everything we've discussed so far. Baltimore is the one seed. Lamar Jackson has never played in the AFC Championship game. Nope. The Miami Dolphins, Tua, has never played in the playoffs. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. He got knocked out. Because he got knocked out last it was year. Skyler Thompson made the that's, start for the Miami right, Dolphins last year. That's right. Now, man. you know, hopefully he gets healthier. But, man, you got Trevor Lawrence trying to nurse an ankle who's never been to the AFC Championship game. The Cleveland Browns are led by Joe Flacco. He's, he's been to an AFC title game and a Super Bowl and yeah. won one. He's done it all. But again, the team, <laughs> 15 years ago, the team has not done yeah. anything close to this, right? Yeah. Uh, you're looking at a sixth seed in this. I don't think they're going to stay there. The the Pittsburgh Steelers. Who, no, they keep dropping to two two win teams. Who have Kenny Pickett, who's never been in the AFC Championship game, and the Indianapolis Colts, led by Gartner Minshew, also never been to a championship game or played in a championship game, I should say. So. I mean, you have to get to, like, the nine seed right now with Russell Wilson for anybody of the most important, you know, the most important position in the sport with a very good coach who's been there before where they each can say to one another, we know what it's like to go through January. The AFC is wild. And I've talked about how I don't think the one seed is as important as it has been in years past. I know, obviously, people think, well, the bye is the most important part about getting the one seed. Totally understand that. Really, I, I really, really do. It's 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 not really hard to comprehend. But you look every week, and I still think the Chiefs are probably going to be the two seed at the highest or the three seed. We'll get into what you know kind of needs to happen for them to to kind of make things go. But this is a big week for Baltimore. This was a game in which I think a lot of people, myself included, getting ready for Monday Night Football, I was like, oh, Miami's got this game. Tennessee, Will Levis. They go up 14 points with three minutes and seven seconds left. Tennessee fumbles a punt. Then Miami gets the ball right back and scores again. They go up 14 points. Will Levis brings the team down, scores, scores, game over. They go for for two, get it down by six, score a touchdown, game over. Never happened before. Down by 14, three minutes left. How you doing? Miami. Deals with adversity. Tyreek Hill, ankle hurts, goes back in, finishes the game with 70-plus receiving yards, I believe. And Miami drops the game. You already have tiebreaker over Miami. The playoff picture as of right now, you look at it from where we're at going into week 15, Baltimore's the one seed, right? 
Your two seed is Miami. They would play Indianapolis. Your three seed right now is Kansas City. You'd play Pittsburgh. Jacksonville, Cleveland, can't call it. Pittsburgh, Kansas City, it's Mitchell Trubisky versus Patrick Mahomes. Right there. That's that's all you need to know. And I don't I don't think Kenny Pickett will be back by then. Maybe he is. It's five more weeks. But right now, it's Mitchell Trubisky versus Patrick Mahomes. Even if it's not, it's Kenny Pickett versus Patrick Mahomes. So you look at where you're at in that playoff. You play the next round. Baltimore's got to go where the worst seed possible happens, right? Let's say Miami, Kansas City, and Jacksonville win. Baltimore goes and plays Jacksonville, Kansas City, Miami, South Beach. You've already beat Miami on the road in Germany. Not afraid of it. I know it's technically a home game, but that's a tough travel game. That's a different time zone. That's a whole different aspect of things. But I remember people were taking the, the take of, well, Miami's been there since Monday. Kansas City's getting there on Thursday. Didn't really seem to make a difference, right? So, again, the AFC is just, in general, it's just, it seems like a very, very drunk division. Nobody really is taking control. I know Baltimore right now leads at the top, but Baltimore's getting ready to hit their big part of the schedule, and they've got adversity. They don't have Mark Andrews. Isaiah Likely, decent fill-in. Probably did you all right in fantasy this week. You're welcome. But they've got their faults. And if you need to know what the Kansas City Chiefs need to get to the one seed, it seems like a pretty... I don't know. I don't know where I'd rank this three-leg parlay, but this is how you get the one seed. Chiefs have to win out. Your final four games, Bailey Zappi, Aiden O'Connell, Jake Browning. I don't know who's the backup in Los Angeles behind Justin Herbert. Uh, Easton Stick. That's not a real name. It is a real name. And one, it, one it sounds Easton Stick. It sounds S-T-I-C-K? like T-I-C-K? Yes, yes. It sounds like a name okay. for like an like one of the CPU generated players on Madden nope. when you do the draft and you it just It sounds like a pornographer's name. It it's that's that's his name, Easton Stick. Sounds like he does porn. Okay. I could not tell you where he played at, but he apparently played college football somewhere. It'd be funny if they had like EJ Manuel and Easton Stick and they could either go with the stick or the manual. That's not really a good joke, but either way, you have to win out if you're the Kansas City Chiefs. Baltimore loses to San Francisco and Miami. And Miami loses to Dallas. That's your three-league parlay to get the number one seed. You went out. Baltimore loses to San Francisco and Miami. Miami loses to Dallas. That's what has to happen. It's not that far of a stretch. But I would say, as of right now, it's a plus 800 uh, parlay if you're on DraftKings putting that thing together. Chris Nacero, Dusty Likens with you. Wrap up the 6 o'clock hour on the other side on After Hours. After Hours with Dusty Likens is brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. And by Casey Bobcat. Save now on your Bobcat loaders and excavators at Casey Bobcat at Blue Springs, Olathe, or Tracy. 610 Sports Radio. Final segment here in the 6 o'clock hour on After Hours. Thanks for listening. If you're not listening live, thanks for downloading the uh, the show. Tell your friends. They might like it. It's a late night vibe, sports vibe, you know? It's not your traditional 6 to 10, 10 to 2, 2 to 6. Holidays will come up, so the schedules will be different, but we'll be here for the most part. This is my show. My name. I really don't feel that way. Um... A little Tuesday night action. I think colleges are on winter break. Normally, it's like K-State basketball every single Tuesday. So, I think the students are on winter break. So, they normally get like this week off. And then, obviously, 
uh, the holiday week's off, but we'll keep you updated tomorrow, 9.30 in the morning. You'll get DA on with Fesco and Kling, and then 3 o'clock, Pete Sweeney's on the drive, and then 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, Pete Sweeney and myself, Arrowhead Pride Radio, Ron Cop Jr., always join us at 6.15. Um, I read this interesting article from Pro Football Talk. I don't spend a lot of my time on there, but when something gets the eye, I'll dive in. And I thought it was interesting that they did this article, Mike Florio did, on how Troy Aikman was critical of officiating on live television. And basically what Aikman said, without just reading you the article, you can find it if you want to read it yourself. It's just not, to me, good radio to read you verbatim the article. But basically Aikman was saying that, I get it that they've been criticized a lot throughout the year, and it seems like every week they say something about the refs, but it's been bad this year. And he then says, for something that might take us 10 seconds to figure out, it takes them 10 minutes. Or five seconds to figure out, it takes them five minutes. And Florio went on to say that he, he referenced the call that Aikman was talking about, stopwatched it, and it took 100 seconds. So over a minute and a half to get it right. And it was a call that was seemingly not that difficult to figure out. But Florio says the NFL has become increasingly sensitive to on-air criticism of officiating. Several weeks ago, someone at 345 Park Avenue uh, wedged senior VP of officiating Walt Anderson into the ESPN broadcast to to defend a non-eventful non-call of intentional grounding during a first drive of Raiders-Lions Monday night game. It takes guts for someone like Aikman to be willing to light a fuse that will likely result in someone being someone from Big Shield complaining to someone from Big Bristol, right? ESPN, Monday Night Football, obviously Big Shield, the NFL. This is something, though, that I think has gotten to this point because, you know, you can you could take the microscope out of Kansas City and some of the calls that you've seen, the pass interference call in Lambeau or the offsides call last night and then you or Sunday night, and then you see the Monday night game where it's like they didn't say anything to Jalen Waddle. That's what is getting frustrated, I think, with the league. And you know, you can use whatever analogy you want. You know, you go work at a, at a high-end restaurant, your service ought to be pretty immaculate, right? It shouldn't be like, hey, guys, it's Dave. How you doing? You want a Coke? You don't expect that. You know, you can go get that at like an Applebee's. You expect Dave to offer you a Coke when you go to Applebee's. You go to like 801 Chop House. Hey, guys, my name's Mark. Have you heard about our specials tonight? We do have a dry age, all this sort of stuff. You feel... Like it's a little bit better with the support staff because of the level of the product. Same thing with the NFL. If the NFL is the number one sport in the United States and it gets enough attention every single day that it's on, right? We watch Thursday night games where it's Arizona versus Seattle. We'll watch it. You'll tell yourself you won't. Like last week, you said you weren't going to watch Pittsburgh, New England. Bull. I bet a lot of you watched it because it was football. And with the refs inconsistency throughout, right? The, what they call uh, intentional grounding on Josh Allen. He gets up and his jersey's ripped in half. Like that's just bad calls and it's affecting big games. And eventually something will need to be done. Now, I don't know if refs get fined. I don't believe they do. I know they're a union I know that there's always going to be criticism against officiating, but I'm not talking about Kansas City. I'm just talking about officiating in general. 
over the last few years when the product continues to climb. And like they had just said, salary caps will be expanded because business is booming. Well, if business is booming, get people out there that can actually do a better job or a more accurate job of calling a game that is going to be of such magnitude. Like, I don't need to see Carl Sheffers ever again in my life if the Chiefs are playing. And it's not because maybe I think he's biased towards the Chiefs. I don't think that. It just seems that every time his name is involved with that team that's playing, something doesn't go right, and it seems to be the refs that steal the attention. And if Troy Aikman, who knows he's probably going to get an email from his boss or get a phone call that says, hey, we just got, you know, the NFL's calling me. I'm, you know, we're in hot water right now because of what you said, because of how many people view that game. And Troy Aikman doesn't care and ESPN doesn't care. Then, you know, the problem's there. I'm just saying if your product is where it's at, if it's the cream of the crop, if it's the ripest it's ever been, clean it up. Have a good support set, a good support staff that can go around the league and be consistent. Baseball is not a good product. The umpires in baseball, they're not good. The NFL is a great product, a very, very hungry, rich product. Stop letting it be affected by poor officiating. Because there have been multiple, multiple times this season where you look at it or you hear a story the next day and you're like, yeah, that's not a good call. So I don't know if refs can be held accountable, but something the offseason needs to give. But praise be that they're not using an index card to guess a first down anymore. That actually did happen from an NFL official. A little bit later tonight, we'll talk about what happened today with the Royals and how they kind of moved around uh, with some moves. Josh Vernier, who joined the drive, will play some audio from him. But coming up on the other side, these next four games, these next four games, this is what you use to stop the self-inflicted wounds. Chris Unicero, Dusty Likens, 610 Sports Radio. After Hours with Dusty Likens is brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. And by Casey Bobcat. Save now on your Bobcat loaders and excavators at Casey Bobcat at Blue Springs, Olathe, or Tracy. 610 Sports Radio.